Hello, and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of Fox News. <laughs> I don't know if Jen knows that joke. <laughs> I don't know if the CEO of the company knows that for a year I've been calling our show the flagship podcast. Jim, now you know. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate your support. I'm Eli the Studer. Hello. It's Casey. It's Ashley. Paul will be maybe making an appearance in some form later. You never know. Uh, but we should just start with news. Sure. With South by Southwest, there's a lot going on. And I was not joking when I threatened you with web standards talk. We're going to start with AMP because Dieter Bone is the only person in the world who understands Google's AMP project. It's a very also, huge burden. I know there are people watching on the stream at YouTube, but we're at South by, uh, South by Southwest Interactive, which is a show for web nerds. It's a conference for like web nerds. I, mean, I assume it, these are web nerds. Yeah. I, want, see, I want you to sound smart at parties later on. So Dieter is just going to be issuing sound bites for the next few minutes, being like, web packaging is the future of distribution in a trustless environment. And then you can just say that whenever you want over the weekend. Wow, it's that was be great. really good. I'm in it. Web packaging is the future of distribution in a trustless environment. There you go. We're there done. It is. We're see done. You, see everybody. Bye, All right, Dieter, tell us what is going on with AMP. All right, so everybody hates AMP. <laughs> um, they, nobody, nobody likes it. Well, quickly define what AMP okay, is. Okay, AMP it stands for Accelerated Mobile Pages, and it is um, the origin story of AMP is two years ago. There was Apple News, there was Facebook Instant Articles, and uh, we at The Verge were doomed because we knew that instead of just publishing to the web, we would have to publish to 50 different things, Flipboard and blah, 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 blah. Um, so Google said, well, we can fix that. We're going to make a thing, and it's going to be the web, which is debatable. But And uh, then you'll be able to take that thing, and then it will become another standard. So we all thought of it as like a direct competitor to Instant Articles and Apple News and all the rest, um, which it kind of is, but their vision was not for it not to be that. And they claim that from the beginning, they wanted to like build this thing and then make it a web standard. So what this thing is, is when we publish a page, there's a version of it that has a limited set of HTML that can, we basically, when you publish an AMP page, you can say, hey, if somebody else wants to distribute this, cool, you are free to redistribute this page. And it will always be updated we update it, and you can trust that it came from us. And that means that when you go visit an AMP page, it can load instantly because Google did this completely insane iframe hack where when you, there's an AMP link in Google search or Twitter or Bing, it preloads the page in the background, so it loads right away. How many of you have Android phones? Some of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so your phones have the Google, Dieter reminds me of this all the time. Yeah. Your phones preload the Verge in the background in the feed. So when you swipe left, there's the Google feed. Yeah. Uh, and all the stories in there are preloaded through AMP. You don't know it, we don't know it, until you read it, and then it sends us the analytics signal, which yeah. is crazy, right? That's not how anyone thinks the web works. You click a link, it loads, thousands of advertisers track you, um, and then you see some content. <laughs> um, but AMP is like, it's preloading these packages of content underneath everything else, and it's built on hacks. Yeah. So why is it controversial? Uh, because it's Google, and Google's taking over everything. Um, they, everyone assumes they own the entire web. Maybe they do. It's scary. Uh, and um, you know, also, AMP usually sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in terms of the experience of using it, because scrolling in an iframe is really awkward. Um, people aren't very good at designing them because the very first iteration of AMP had like really like limited set of stuff you could do. So like the AMP pages don't look good. They're just weird. And then the URLs are awful because they're like come from a Google cache often. So it's got like, you know, weird extra crap in it that you gotta like delete if you wanna share it. Um, so they claim they have solutions for all of these things and they've spent two years making AMP and now they want 
the rest of the world to make their pages just like AMP, which is like everyone's like, oh, but we hate AMP. It sucks. So we don't want to do that. But they're trying to like turn it. And so they're going to take all the stuff that they built that they understand and they're going to go to the Web Standards Committee, the W3C tag. There's also the WICG, which is a whole other thing. Plus, there's the ITF. Um, uh, all right. Okay. Hold on. Um, <laughs> and they're gonna they're oh gonna boy. try and make this a standard. It's gonna take forever. All right. Uh, so my question is: So let's say that we at the Verge decided we love AMP, which, by the way, most publishers do love AMP because it's now the source of the majority of all traffic to our websites. <laughs> um, this is true. So if we decide, all right, we want to do like the Ampified version of, of the web, like what yeah. would that look like? Is it something we have to do? Does the web standards body have to do it? Do we have to redesign the Verge? Like, how does this work? Uh, what the way it's going to work is for the next however long it takes the web standards bodies to figure it out, which could be years, people are just going to keep using AMP and be terrified of Google. And then once they figure it out, there will be uh, a new standard by which you can publish a web page that you allow other people to distribute for you. And then we will just follow that step, web packaging standard. So it's going to be uh, if you want to make a web page, instead of just knowing HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, you'll have to know that stuff, plus like the magic new packaging standard. So it'll be on us to build it, but we have to wait for the process of everybody arguing with each other about the web for two years to shake out. Sure, but we already published to AMP, so like what's going to be the difference? AMP will be one of several of these things. There's not a name for it yet, but it'll, AMP will be Google's Google's so great at branding. <laughs> AMP will be Google's Hangouts. Oh, God. Hangouts web. <laughs> it's going to be great. You be, what's what's going to happen is it'll become another chat client for yeah. Google. Yeah, a new, a new messenger. Um, Fantastic. No, it'll, AMP will be Google's version of this thing, and mm-hmm. it'll be the one that pretty much everyone's going to end up using. So they're going to continue to have, like, quote-unquote, captured a bunch of the web still. Here's just I how I... told you this is going to be deeply nerdy. No, they're fine. They love it. No. <laughs> that guy loves it. What's uh, really funny is a bunch of people, like, Neil, just said, he did the, the bad thing was he showed me a tweet of somebody who said I was in the can for Google with this article right before we came on stage, so I'm all, like, I was trying to rile angry about it. I end the article by, like, calling them an idiot <laughs> about how they communicate. Well, so here, anyway. here's, like, my overall read on it. So Facebook is a, across the street, I believe. Um, Facebook is a company, as you know, they go all in on whatever they're going to do. Yeah. They I, make no designs that their goal is to, like, anything other than to completely suck in the web and have you live on Facebook. Right? Like, Facebook is like, are you a developing country? We've just airbombed, like, 5,000 Facebook phones in your country. Now you're in it as Facebook. Uh, live video is the future. We're going to pay everybody to do live video. Like, yeah. Facebook subsumes the internet. They do instant articles. They, they, literally, they just don't pretend that they want to do anything else. Google, everyone is afraid, will subsume the internet. Uh, and so the, the deal with AMP, the reason Casey's saying you get traffic, is if you participate in Google's weird AMP solution, Google will send you traffic, right? You get higher ranked in Google search yeah. results, which everybody cares about. Google, I just, I don't think they have the ability to just turn the screw all the way. Like, they're holding the knife, they're looking at you, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> I don't, I just can't be this person today. And they're like, put the knife down. They're like, web standards it is. Yeah. And like, I think that's just the cycle they're always going to be in. Well, sure, but I mean, that's the difference between the web and a walled garden, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook can control everything because everything happens inside Facebook. Like, at the end of the day, Apple still exists and makes Safari and will have something to say about, you know, whatever Google is trying to do with AMP, right? Facebook just doesn't have the same kind of competitor in that way. I mean, the like, Dieter will disagree with me. The web is so close to being Google's garden, right? It's just so, like, search is really important. Chrome, like, dominates. I know that there's the Safari team in mobile Safari. Is it's big kind of uh, counterweight. What, what, about, what about Edge? Firefox. Edge is, I got it. Right yeah, here. you're using Edge. Yeah. 
Well, I'm using Chrome at this point. <laughs> but it's only because Google Docs is pretty bad in Edge. Yeah. So. Anyway. Anyway, I just like Google is right at the point where they could take over the web. Yeah, I don't right? disagree with that at all. And the web is their revenue platform as well. Yep. Because uh, they own DoubleClick, they own uh, Open, like their their ad tech powers everything. When you talk, so they could. I just they can't, they just can't. Like, there's a part of me that just wants to see what fully evil Google looks like. Ooh. Right? Where it's like Sundar, like Dark Sundar shows up, and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> he's got, like, right. red eyes. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so let me say this, though, because I think we have to say we're being a little self-serving here. Why does AMP exist? It was because publishers larded all of their web pages with too many ad trackers and too many disgusting widgets. Pages were too slow to load, right? And there were a lot of reasons why this happened. Uh, and, you know, by the way, I think we're a lot better than most publishers, but still, there needed to be a counterweight. Like somebody sort of had to come in and unwind what the rest of us had done to the web and Google for them to ensure a future. They have to create a web that, you know, people like our audience here actually want to use. Yeah. That's why they need the search carrot. That's why, like, they have that top stories carousel, which uh, shows just AMP stories, and they're saying it'll show this other weird future standard someday. All right, so what happens next? Anyway, what happens next is a bunch of people argue at each other. They yell at Google, they yell at each other, they decide whether they want to make this web packaging thing, which does have other uses beyond like instant loading. It will make um, web, web pages work offline better. It'll do a few other things. Um, and then once all, the, once all the web engineers yell at each other and yell at Google, uh, at the same time, Google and Apple will yell at each other about browsers, uh, but they won't do it publicly because they don't yell at each other publicly. Uh, Mozilla will have a little piece of that too. And then in two years, uh, maybe we'll have this or not, or we'll just end up all <laughs> using AMP and Google will take over. It's, those are like the options. Dark Sundar. Yeah. If you want to send us fan art, fan art has started to come in. If you would like to draw a picture <laughs> of Dark Sundar, I'm available on Twitter, which uses AMP. All right. Yeah. Uh, it does. It really does. Uh, let's talk about Amazon for one second. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Uh, so I'm like all in with Alexa's. You've got Alexa's at your house. Dieter, you are like, you and Lisa have this constant battle between Alexa and Google Assistant. We have both, know. yeah. Uh, but Ashley, you have none of these things. No, and this story is basically why. So, <laughs> so, do you want to walk us through it, Ash? Yeah, so I mean, literally, people on the internet were reporting that Alexa randomly just started laughing. Like, out of nowhere. They would just be in yeah. their house. This happened to anybody here? See? Okay, it's well, yeah, there's some footage on Twitter of people literally just like walking into their kitchen and then Alexa just starts laughing. And no one knew at the time why. And I don't know if Amazon's even fully figured out. They've now disabled the command where you can make Alexa laugh. Their explanation is not good. No. Yeah. Their explanation is like, sometimes it heard the command Alexa laugh. Yeah. And it's like, what did you change? You changed something because it wasn't happening before. No one's walking around muttering things that sound like <laughs> Alexa laugh. No one's like calling that out in their sleep. Some people were saying it's like when they asked to turn on the lights. Lights, laugh. Yeah. Listen, I, I will know. say, so I never had the laughing issue, but I had, uh, I had something else, which was I was watching TV and then Alexa came to life and it uh, delivered an inspirational quote by Jeff Bezos. I know that sounds like a joke. It is not. And the, 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 it was, like all of a sudden it was like, here's a quote for you. Uh, if you want to succeed, you have to work very hard. Jeff Bezos. Did you turn off the TV and get back to work? <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, listen, it worked for Jeff. Um, 
So yeah, clearly uh, Alexa can be a little too sensitive at times, and and it makes things up. But man, what a perfect story that just kind of crystallizes all of our anxieties about artificial intelligence into a single place. You know, like the there are so many people out there saying, oh, you know, everybody's so worried about AI. Everybody needs to relax. It's just machine learning. It can barely do anything. And then it just started to laugh at us <laughs> in 2018. Like nobody thought we were going to get there this fast. So Ashley, you're saying this is the reason you don't have it. What would make you put an Alexa in your house? Is there any? I, I feel like I ask you this question like every other week. Yeah, I mean. I don't, I just feel like I can't speak in voice commands. I don't know. Whenever I've, I've used smart lights and I have some that would be like, set the light to 10% brightness. And I just don't think that is a command that I would ever use. On and off is fine. But when with smart lights, if I want to change a color or change, adjust the brightness, like that just for me is not a natural command. So I don't know if I can ever learn that language. My, I, I don't know. Am I aging out of this? I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Well, no, no you would it's, it's all old dudes yeah. who are into it. Yeah. Like, the, we're the people yeah, who are like, like, babies like, oh, yes, it's like, it's like the terminal, babies but Babies are my on mouth. the Alexa level. They're yeah, like, they can talk to Alexa all day. Uh, I mean, I fail uh, uh, at asking the Alexa constantly. Like, I always ask everything twice, and... Becky's like, why do you do this? Yeah, no. Like, I, like I'm just going to Google this for you. And the app is always faster for me. I'd yeah. rather just use the Smart Light app. It just works yeah. every time. It's done. So uh, we, uh, we use Alexa through the Sonos speakers. We have Sonos One, a surround system set up, and it is god-awful in terms of its like recognition. You yes. have to ask it three times, and then uh, an Alexa, a random echo, like three rooms over, answers for you. And you're like, no, ah, and you got to like go and close the door because it doesn't do the thing. Yeah. Um, and I like realized the reason that Alexa failing is so frustrating is you just have to sit there and experience it, <laughs> right? No, when there's a bug on your screen, you know what you can do? You can look at a tree, yeah. right? But when an audio thing fails, or an audio thing has a bug, or it laughs at you, or there's something creepy happening, or God forbid it gets like properly hacked, there's no escape from it. You're, it's all linear, it's all happening around you via audio, and you can't, you can't look away from it. You have to like have this immersive experience of computer hell. Whereas at least when there's a malware or a bad pop-up on a screen, you can look at a tree. Yeah. You or you can like throw your Windows PC out the, out of the yeah, window. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that with Alexa. I mean, you can, but it, you have to wait for it to finish. There, there's just something really awful about having to like ask a robot to do something twice. You know, <laughs> like you, you already fe you already feel like kind of a lazy bum for being like, hey, what's the weather? Like because you just won't look out your window. You know, but then when it doesn't recognize your voice, like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> I guess I'll enunciate really clearly this time. Yeah. Wait. So you have you have uh, Alexa in your Sonos? I have. Yeah, I have a I have a, a standard uh, OG Echo, and then I got a Sonos One, uh, which I've been super disappointed with uh, for the reason that Dieter just mentioned, which is that the recognition is really bad. Also, the Spotify integration, which is the main reason I bought it, is is super wonky. Um, so you know. But when, when it works, I, I will say this. When I, when I had the original Echo, I put it in my bedroom, and I would do, like, three things with it. I'd, like, ask it what the weather was every morning when I got out of the shower. I would use it to set alarms, and I would, like, use it to play music, like, you know, when I was in my room. Um, those are all good things, and, like, voice control is great for that. Uh, but I think voice control actually hasn't gone very far beyond that, unless you're one of these super hackers who wants to, like, set up a smart home routine for yourself, which I just don't. Yeah, I feel like Sonos benefited a lot from the HomePod review cycle because virtually, it, this is true of mine, it was true of everyone else I read that was like, if you want a smart speaker that sounds great, with, buy a Sonos One. And then there's like the dark underbelly of the Sonos One, which is it's not a first class Alexa device. Right. So I don't know if you are familiar with one, if you've seen one, literally the integration is there's like an Alexa device sitting on top of a Sonos device 
and they talk to each other through the cloud, which they're sitting right next to each other, so it's like a little weird. So you talk to Alexa, and it goes and talks to Sonos that then sends a play command back to the speaker, and that round trip is just, like there are robbers on that road, <laughs> and they will just stop that from happening. Literally, it will. Um, so it, it's gotten better when I have the dot in my regular Sonos, but when you have like one, pro I think people just expect it to work like one thing. Yes, and that Sonos because is that's what that Sonos out. said it would do. Yeah. <laughs> Sonos wasn't like buy this if you want a pretty good Alexa. They were just yeah. like finally all your dreams have been realized. How, how long until Amazon just buys them? Buy Sonos. Yeah. See, I've always bet that Amazon will just create. Uh, incrementally better speakers over time and the need for Sonos will disappear. Sonos is an amazing hardware company, but they're living in a software world. And I just don't think their software chops are ever going to be that good. So I don't know. I, I don't know how much uh, Sonos is worth. So maybe Jeff Bezos decides it's worth it to, to, to snap it up. But man, I wouldn't bet against Amazon in a year coming out with something that sounded as good as the HomePod that could connect to you know the entire ecosystem of streaming music services. If Amazon had an interest in making things that sounded good, they would have they done would, it by now. They would have, I mean, they wouldn't have shipped any of their products. <laughs> <laughs> they That's don't brutal. sound, like, even the new one that, like, sounds good. Yeah, like, as I'm thinking about it, it's, like, the best Kindle. It, like, it still feels like you got it out of a, like, carnival uh, drop-down claw. <laughs> 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 <It's like> <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of hardware, we should move on. Let's talk about, is anybody buying, did anybody pre-order Galaxy S9? Crickets! <laughs> oh, oh wow. Samsung! There was utter silence, and one guy like chortled. Yeah. <laughs> wow! Yeah, I want to know why, but none of you have microphones, so I'm just gonna guess. Uh, because it's it looks like the S8. Well, yes, you yelled something at. What'd you say? I work for Samsung. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Not <Wow>. anymore. <laughs> uh, well, because it looks exactly like the S8. Yeah. It. We played with the camera on Circuit Breaker Live the other day. Um, let's talk about the AR emoji. So you, <laughs> this is like Samsung's like sad copy well, of Well, it's Animoji. funny because Apple used Animoji to sell the iPhone X in addition to like the display and everything else. But this was a big part of their marketing pitch was the Animojis on the commercials. And now Samsung's like, we can do it too. And they launched these horrifying <laughs> Bitmoji-like video avatar things. And of course, I, was, I had to try it immediately. Like Dan, our reviewer, I was like, give me the phone. Uh, and so it scans your face and then tries to create an avatar of you digitally. And a, a perk of it was it actually scanned my face and detected my birthmark, which was kind of crazy to me. I was like, wow, okay, like it's actually working, but it's just horrifying. It's scary. <laughs> like no one wants this. And Bitmoji is just so much cuter and better. So stick with Bitmoji, even though they don't move. Well, Snapchat now, you kind of can. Little. Yeah. My favorite thing about Samsung is just like there's always that hint of tone deafness, right? Which like comes across in the AR Bitmoji bit. My favorite thing about the S9 uh, was that, you know, they released this phone that is basically just an S8 and the ad campaign said, the phone reimagined. That made me so happy. Yeah. It's got a headphone jack. Yeah. And that was the reimagination process. <laughs> They're like, we're going to go back in time. But I mean, the, my issue with the S9 is actually what I ran into with the iPhone 8. So I still have a 6S, and I need to upgrade. Like, it's time. And I was like, okay, do I want to spend $1,000 on a phone for an iPhone 10? Mm, kind of a tough sell. And then I looked at the iPhone 8, and I was like, this looks just like my current phone, except it's missing a headphone jack, and it's running the same software. So I just, like, why am I going to spend more money to upgrade to basically the same phone that just works better? Yeah. And I feel like the same thing with the S9 now, where it's like the same software, pretty much same phone, I feel like that's a hard sell 
to get people to spend the money to just get what looks like the same phone. Yeah, we have a story on the site uh, today, actually. This headline is super surprising to me. Uh, a study by the Consumer Intelligence Research Partners, the well-known SERP. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they're well-known. There's probably a SERP person here. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> You're great. Um, study finds people are more loyal to Android than iOS, which... Are they every... loyal to Android, or are they locked into Google services? I don't think... I don't know. Is, there a, is that a distinction without a difference? I think that people buy Samsung phones, and yeah. then they keep buying them, and they keep having them. Uh, but that is counter to everything that Apple says about the iPhone, which is people are switching at faster and faster rates from Android to iOS. I think we're, we are just definitely at a point now where what it, whatever's happening with the iPhone is the sales are slowing down, right? They're, they're flattening out. They're still going up. And Apple is doing things like uh, focusing on their services business or making you AirPods. There's a rumor they're going to make high-end headphones now. And they're trying to build out the universe of things that you buy because you have an iPhone. And Samsung is like sort of doing that because they've always done that. They're like, also we sell refrigerators and submarines, like <laughs> have good thoughts about us. But they don't have that, I think they don't have that loyalty. There's no reason that somebody with a Samsung phone necessarily goes out and buys a Samsung TV well, they, or like level headphones or whatever else. They got there with the, the Gear smartwatch insofar as anybody bought smartwatches. No, Verizon so, just forced you to take one away. No, that's fair. <laughs> like yeah. they're like, did you, you bought a Samsung phone? You now own a Gear smartwatch. <laughs> like you have no choice in this matter. But this is what I mean about like when you're a hardware company in a software world, right? Like the it, the genius turned out to be owning the operating system, and then if you were making the hardware for it, you could make money, but you were you weren't going to be in as good a position as somebody like an Apple or Google. I think th isn't the counter well, this product right here that runs Windows, right? Like yeah. Microsoft so? makes a bunch of money, but their hardware is not the same. Yeah. So. Okay, on the S9, I was talking to Dan about this a lot when we were editing his review. Uh, the, the phone is very, very good. The hardware is great, it's just iterative, uh, but it's good. The camera is slightly better. Um, the aperture thing is a, a pointless gimmick, but it's cool, whatever. Uh, it's Dan's harsh. Page, not my take. Anyway. Name one thing you like. I feel like we've only had a headphone jack. No, the hardware is amazing, <laughs> the screen is amazing, it doesn't have a notch, it's incredibly well made, yeah. battery life is decent, has a fast processor. Everything about the hardware is good. They didn't like. They didn't get the best best camera, but f whatever. Like the uh, uh, phone is a, a whole group of things. But because the hardware was basically iterative and basically good at Samsung's very high quality, that meant that okay, well now let's look at the software. And the software is the same as it ever was, uh, which is it's Android with a bunch of Samsung Samsung stuff on it. And Samsung every year were like they did slightly better at not having so much junk on it. Um, but because there wasn't a huge shift in the hardware for us to pay attention to, like ooh, look at this whiz bang new thing, it has become clear. Like more of our attention is able to be directed at the fact that. It is inexcusable that there aren't updates. I think actually Google releasing the Android P preview around the time that the S9, the Galaxy phones come out, is maybe a little bit intentional. It's a reminder that like you have to wait for updates. And I also think that I'm I'm just done giving Samsung excuses for like duplicate apps and like the general extra cruftiness. Like if you think the Samsung browser is better, and many people do, and I actually don't disagree entirely, then like don't preload Chrome on there. Like go full evil if you're going to go full evil or back off. But they can't, right? Because they like, have to get the Google Play deal. But at some point, like, I'm done making, like, be a phone company and do the thing or 
don't or, or don't be a software company and don't do the thing. I'm 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 tired of like eh, it's fine. I mean, there's some sand some stuff, but if you're really good at it, you can turn it off. So if you, you don't you're want proposing it. like the Galaxy S9 Pixel edition. Yeah, but I mean they tried that. It was the Google Play edition, yeah. right? Like I bought those phones. Yeah, I bought them on this show. I believe <laughs> uh, no one else did, and yet it still took Google six months to deliver them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just I, I I don't think that they get the benefit of the doubt in the way that they used to when it comes to software. And like we haven't even said the word Bixby yet. Yeah, I was waiting. Yeah, we're all gonna say it together. Ready? Bixby. Now we've summoned him. <laughs> I wish if I he's gonna tap dance in on his little butler shoes just a little bit more. There would have been a dog with shoes. <laughs> like I really did not prepare for that moment. Can everyone leave and come back tomorrow? Because I'm gonna get a dog with shoes. So we played with it on the Circuit Breaker show. The dog with shoes. <laughs> we did not play the phone. Circuit Breaker show took a wild turn. Uh, we are playing it. And it is shockingly fine. Dan did not agree with us. Yeah. But there's a part of it where what it's trying to do is interesting. Yeah. And then there's a part of it where the execution of that is is not interesting or good. But the what it's trying to do is like you talk to your phone. Did everybody see the tweet we sent from Dan's phone? It's like the most nonsense tweet. It's like, I think it says, I love Paul, good, excellent, enable. Yeah. Uh, which it was supposed to say, I love Paul and Neli. Uh, and Bixby decided my name is enable, uh, which is good. That's my ready player one name. Um, uh, great. Um, but the idea that you can just like yell at your phone, like, hey, open Twitter and send a tweet for me. And it like can operate the phone for you is really neat. Yeah. It's very slow. You should be able to remap that button, and it doesn't actually always work. But the idea is good. I'm trying, man. Why, why should they get credit for the idea? Because it's the most interesting thing people are doing with a voice assistant on a phone. Yeah, but like the, the HomePod, a yeah. bunch of people gave Apple credit for the idea without actually judging the thing, which was Siri and the HomePod is not that good. Yeah. Like we should, we should use that same like clear eyed judgment on Bixby. I mean, I don't think anyone's out here like, I'm the only person who has ever made a case for Bixby. Okay. Except for Dr. Bixby, who is at Samsung. <laughs> and he's like, name it after me. Like, I'm, that was it. That was as much of a defense of Bixby as mm -hmm. has ever been mustered. And I said, the idea is good and the execution is terrible. We're also accepting fan art for Dr. Bixby, by the way. <laughs> if you want to send Dennis. Are you needing great talent for your business but short on time? You don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find a perfect hire. You just need the right tools. You need smarter tools. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards just one click, so you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then, ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you see the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them relentlessly forever. It never stops. It never sleeps. No wonder 80% of employers who post in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. That's why ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, VergeCast listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That is right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Verge. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Verge. And try for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Verge. Nice. All right, do you want to talk about Android P? 
Sure. Yeah. So it's a preview, developer preview. Don't install it. It's only available on Pixels, um, which means that it's not available on the any Android tablets because Android tablets are going away. They're getting replaced by Chrome OS tablets. You heard it here first a few episodes ago. Um, so the, the thing everybody's paying attention to is it has support for notches in the screen. It's horrible. It's fine. Whatever. The, the reason they had to put support for notches in is we saw at Mobile World Congress a couple weeks ago that literally every Android manufacturer, not named Samsung, is making a notched phone. And they're all going to be garbage and have bad implementations because they don't know how to do software. And so like Google had to do it to like save Android from everybody making notch phones. It's the only option they had. It's just sad. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't have a reaction to that other than yeah. a deep wave of sadness. It, but like, think about just what that meeting must have been like when the like Google Android manager had to go in and tell the design team that they had to make a <laughs> version of Android to support what was basically an iOS feature. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of iOS, so they they moved the clock over to the left, which I have very strong like. I don't why. Unforgivable. I don't get it. Just <laughs> why? He's even on the right. It's where it belongs. <laughs> Uh, what else? Um, I think we haven't really talked about this much um, because I haven't fully read up on it, but there's a bunch of security stuff that actually matters a lot in P. So uh, we already saw that they are disabling access to like the sensors, like the camera and the microphone when an app is in standby in the background uh, so that you can't listen to you or like open up your camera. But they're going to require HTTPS for apps that you want to communicate over the internet. Uh, they're doing, a, they're doing uh, encrypted backups in a different way. You can randomize your MAC address so that people can't track you across different Wi-Fi networks. Uh, apps aren't going to be able to access the device ID anymore to also fingerprint you and identify you. So there's a bunch of stuff in Android P that makes it slightly harder for apps to do really skeezy things to track you, mm -hmm. uh, which is a huge change. Yeah, uh, and I hope that it works. Now is the, this Google yeah. just slowly locking their version of Android down more oh, yeah, and more? For sure. Uh, in fact, if you have an app that, uh, so the way apps on Android work is you quote unquote target a version of Android. So you're like, this is targeted to like 32 or 45 or whatever, like those that that API number. And if you target, if your app is designed for an older version of Android, when a user installs your app or opens it. Android P will throw up a warning saying, yo, this app is old. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll like, be like, well, I don't want to use that. And then the developer will be sad. And, and then they'll maybe update their app to target the new version Yeah, is the idea. But again, like, we shouldn't talk about a new version of Android without noting that uh, in a year from now, once you know it's out and it's on the, whatever the next Pixel phone is, that, I don't know, 300,000 people will have it. And that's it, and everybody else, like, at most, that's who will have it, and everybody else will be on some older version of Android. I don't have a ton of faith that the, the stuff they've done in the past couple of years to try and get more companies to update their phones faster is actually going to take. And the reason I don't think that is because Samsung is not updated. Yeah, but Samsung just wants to sell you a new phone, right? right? They don't have this other business... You know, like, if you buy an app on the Play Store, Samsung gets none of that revenue. Right, the way that Apple gets a, ton, a cut of the revenue on every little purchase that you make on the iPhone. Right, I think Samsung is like, yeah, our phones uh, after a while they suck. You should get a new one. And like, <laughs> you know, I think Google has a different idea with the Pixel, right? Because they do get a cut of that revenue over time. They can yeah. see that. How many people here have Pixels? The one, Samsung. Two, three. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're trying to. Say, you're like making an announcement here today. Like, do you have some personal news? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you guys like your pixels? Love it. Yeah. 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 I'm going to switch. 
No, you're not. I, it's, I you're just not. It's just iMessage. Yeah. It's just iMessage. Uh, <laughs> I have so much to say. The security news is interesting to me because um, Microsoft also announced this week that they had a new security update, I think, for the next version of Windows that... Um, addresses people's concerns about keyloggers in the software. Okay. And so I feel like all of these companies are responding to everyone being deeply paranoid that we're being spied on by these companies. Right. And then the Alexa news comes, and of course that doesn't help things either. But it's just an interesting way that they're dealing with our paranoia. Yeah, I think for Google in particular, the, the thing that they, the, the circle they have to try and square is a bunch of the really good stuff in Android happens in the granular app updates, which they can release whenever they want, unlike Apple, which still has everything in a big dumb package once a year. Um, and a bunch of like other little like Google Play services updates. So if you're on a Google Play Android phone, you actually get a bunch of new stuff all the time, but nobody ever pays attention or notices. So in, I don't know. In Google's ideal world, they'd be treating Android the way that like Chrome, the Chrome team works, where it's like version 66 and version 67, and it just rolls every six weeks. And that's what they're basically doing with Google Play, but nobody notices, nobody pays attention. We pay attention to the big, you know, version updates. Because um, those are where the UI changes come. That's from. where the UI changes come. Yeah, and that's even when we write about it, right? We wrote, here's Android P, and then I think the most popular story that we had in our like huge list of Android P stories where here are the visual changes. Yep. And literally it was like there's support for a notch. And that's the whole change. The support for a notch, the, the corners on some of the boxes are rounded now. Ooh. Which is <laughs> Matias like drank his way in hell. Like, <laughs> I'm on it. All right. You might notice that Paul Miller is not here, sadly. Paul. Paul. But every week Paul does a set. I hope we're ready for this. We prepared for this. The dog with shoes was not a, I wish I'd, but every week Paul does a segment. Yeah, we never forget about it. <laughs> here, here is that thing. Another year gone by, another South by Southwest that I sadly could not attend. I'm here at an art gallery surrounded by an amazing installation of televisions, but if it helps you feel better, we can pretend like it's a brand activation for, uh, for some sort of underwear company. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. So this week, just like every week, I'm going to do my segment. It's called Shoes, You've Got Them. Because everybody wears shoes. And, uh, and this week, we're highlighting, uh, very aptly, uh, shoes from a brand. That brand is Pizza Hut. And the shoes are called the Pie Tops 2. Pie Tops have uh, uh, buttons on them. One button orders pizza. The other button pauses uh, your television so that you can go get the pizza when it arrives. It's basically an all-in-one package shoes for your feet and for ordering pizza and for pausing the TV. What more could you ask for? I hope you have a wonderful time at South by Southwest. Love the brands you're with, is what I always say. This has been Paul Miller signing off. It's a boy. I will say that no one showed us that before we were No. <laughs> it was all, all news to me. I, I wasn't prepared for how disturbing it would be. Right? It was dark. 
Are those real shoes? Yeah, those are real shoes. Yeah. Our producer, Andrew Marino, earlier, he was like, I'm trying to get them. <laughs> He's like working on it. Yeah. We'll have the shoes. They're probably here. I mean, they have South to be, line. yeah. Someone find the Pizza Hut people and bring us the shoes. All right, Casey. Yeah. Every week. <laughs> Every week. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, it was just listed here, Twitter and Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like you and Ashley are the people I, I come to to explain to me what the hell is going on with Twitter and Snapchat. Sure. Well, there was this interesting story that I thought would be fun to talk about uh, today. Uh, um, our, our colleague Angela Chen uh, published it yesterday. There was a new study uh, that came out uh, where researchers had access to the entire Twitter firehose of tweets. They analyzed millions of tweets. And what they found was that fake news spreads way faster than the truth. And so, uh, and by the way, the problem isn't bots, uh, which uh, you know we've written plenty about, uh, but it's humans. And so what they found was that if you share a true uh, political article on uh, Twitter, that article is unlikely to reach more than 100 people. Uh, but for the top 1% of fake news that gets spread on Twitter, it reaches more than 100,000 people. So, you know, there's this old line that uh, a lie travels halfway around the world before the truth can get its boots on. And this is sort of the empirical proof that at least on Twitter, that is the case. So I read like a nuance of this study, yeah. um, which is that lies are more interesting. Yeah. Um, so it was actually, it was claims that have been fact-checked as false spread farther than claims that have been fact-checked as true because the lies are more fabulous. Right, uh, which is so uh, freaky because when you think about what gets you to share something on social media, generally it's because you found something really novel, right? Um, but when you are unconstrained by the truth, you can think of the most novel things in the world, like, hey, aliens landed in our backyard. Um, and so that kind of thing can just spread really quickly. So when you think about uh, you know, if you work at Twitter or you work at Facebook and you want to try to improve the integrity of the stuff that gets shared on your platforms, what do you do? Because people are never going to want to stop sharing these novel things. In fact, it's the thing that drives them to share in the first place, but it turns out that makes these networks really susceptible to all kinds of uh, falsehoods. So I think it's a, a really important thing to think about as we sort of head into like 2018 midterm elections. Were you shocked by this? This seems like obvious. <laughs> yeah. Like, duh. Yeah. There, there's like, do you remember that there's like an old like uh, SNL like weekend update segment where they'd be like from the medical journal, duh. Right? Just like say <laughs> the most obvious thing in the world. Um, so uh, on one hand, yes. Uh, my understanding is uh, when people went out and talked to researchers, they said, yes, we sort of suspected this, but we've never had data this good. And this study was really well designed. And Twitter, by the way, uh, I'd give them credit for this, uh, worked really closely with the researchers, gave them access they don't give to everyone. Like it, actually is trying to understand the nature of how these things work. So we now have a lot of data, and hopefully if you're Twitter, you maybe have some ideas about how you're going to uh, defend against this in the coming months and years. And this is why like the trending boxes have been such an issue, right? Is because trending, you would hope, would be very reliable, truthful stories, but in reality, it's like a popularity contest, and the popular stories are the fake ones. Right, and you know, that you can create, you know, 10,000 Twitter accounts and I'll get them tweeting the same hashtag and all of a sudden you have a globally trending story even if it's just, you know, two dudes in Russia. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ash, you like recently cleaned out your Twitter, right? You, you cleaned out your archives and like started over? Oh yeah, over. I deleted it. Oh. Why, well, I have that? Twitter stuff. So I deleted all my old tweets. Why's that? Um, it's not because I ever think I tweeted something like bad. I've always been a normal, good human, but um, <laughs> I promise. Um, I just deleted it because I felt it was time. I just, I, I haven't been able to scroll back to my original archives from literally 10 years ago mm -hmm. in forever. So I was like, you know what? 
wipe it clean. See yeah. ya. Did you download your archive? I did you download did my archive. Okay. So I have it if I ever really feel like reliving freshman year of college. <laughs> right. Has it has it has like anything about the experience? Because like, I've been thinking about doing it, and but uh, I'm not really. It was sure. just weird at first because. It's your brand. So when you go to your page, you're like, oh my God, who am I? <laughs> and then when you tweet a few times, you're like, oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> we're, we're back. <laughs> um, you, I mean, your whole show is about emergent behaviors on platforms. We're doing an episode about unfollowing, which is a little bit different, but some of the reasoning actually has to do with a little bit of this. Do you think there's been a big change in how people are using Twitter with all this? I mean, like, Jack Dorsey's out there being like, I don't know how we're going to fix it, but uh, we'll fix it. Like, do you perceive a change in how people use it or how you use it? Uh, not, I'm always shocked when normal humans use it. Like, like Caitlin and I always talk about, like, Kim Kardashian uses Twitter all the time, and we're like, Kim, why? Girl, get off Twitter. Like, it's not, like, what are you doing there? Um, but no, I mean, I think... I think we're, we're all, everyone here in this room is aware of the issues the platforms face. I don't think, no, I don't think things have changed, though. Yeah. I mean, I always just look at, there was, there was a tweet yesterday where, like, Michael B. Jordan bought some girl a retainer because she broke her retainer oh, when he took his shirt off <laughs> in not... Black Panther. Like, I, like that, that's a, it's a great little three-tweet story. Like, the algorithm creates those moments, I think, with increasing frequency now. Is that, like, do you think of that as, like, being a good thing? Or is that balanced I know, out I, I by, mean, like, Russian I was Russian never bots? one of those people who had, like, a very intense Twitter community. But I know a lot of people who have. And they, like, miss those days of, oh, it was just a bunch of friends connecting about our really niche interests. Mm -hmm. And now it's, like, you can't log on without facing something horrible. But, yeah, I think those days maybe are gone a little yeah. bit. And I, I don't love, like, Chicken Nuggets guy. Or whatever his yeah. name is. All right, so th <laughs> then my next question for the two of you is Snapchat. And, uh, Ashley, I want to start with you as well. Like, I feel like I have just stopped considering Snapchat. It, it's like on my home screen, which is pretty precious real estate, and I never open it. Like, I Same with Kylie it. Jenner. Yeah. <laughs> she I mean, hates, she hates yeah, Snapchat. Right? Or she, mean, she felt sad about it. She doesn't hate Snapchat. She misses Snap, I think. Yeah. Is that over as well? Casey's like, oh, okay. Casey's a rare in the go. Like, okay. <laughs> Casey, you do the thing. So I, I don't think it's over. And in fact, after they did their redesign, which a bunch of uh, very vocal people screamed and yelled about, uh, their downloads went up, which is often an effect of uh, redesigns like this. Um, I think Snapchat is still a really good messaging app, and I think it continues to not get enough credit for deleting people's messages by default. There are so many good reasons to just like have fun, offhanded chats with people that aren't stored forever on a Facebook server, and Snapchat still does that. And so my question for them is sort of, you know, where can they take that, and can they build a real business around it? The other side of Snapchat is Discover, publishers putting stories. I've never basically seen a good one or one that I, <laughs> I liked. I, you know, granted, a lot of it is maybe aimed a little younger than I. Um, but that continues to just be kind of a non-starter for me. But as a messaging app, it's really fast. It's lightweight. It's fun. They have something there. They have, what, 180 million daily users. Like, there, there is something there. So I, I haven't ruled them out. Uh, my, you know, my concerns about them have more to do with, like, their, their corporate structure and the fact that they can't get an executive to stick around for longer than a year, like, more than I don't like the design. I think the teens love Snapchat still. Like, they're totally all... That is the, how they talk to each other, is Snapchat. So they got that. Yeah. Do you think the Instagram just ruthlessly ripping them off is that having any effect at all? Like, 
That's yeah. what killed it for me. <laughs> Definitely. Like, I stopped. I started watching stories on Instagram. And I stopped watching on Snapchat. Yeah. I- yeah, sure. I think it like basically anyone older than like 24 or 25 uh, immediately started putting all their stories on Instagram because that's where all their friends were for the most part. And Instagram did a, a really good job of copying it. It was a lot more kind of fun to use, I think, in, in some ways. Um, and it just absolutely killed Snapchat's international growth uh, because there were many, many people who had never seen stories before. So, yeah, it definitely put Snapchat in a tough spot. Uh, and I Snapchat had d- always been neglecting Android anyway, things like that. And it came back to kind of bite them there. Yeah, because they just screenshot the video camera, right? Like, they're still doing that on Android phones, which is not... It's, like, it's like deeply impolite. <laughs> it's like, we know you have a phone with a camera, but what if we don't give a shit about that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you make of the layoffs? Because they're laying off 120 people in their engineering division. But uh, So out of how many do they uh, have? It was about 10% of, okay. their, of their employees is what I have heard. Um, I will say that was surprising. You know, there was an earlier round of layoffs that affected people kind of more in human resources roles and other kind of non-essential stuff. You know, my question is, what were those 100 engineers working on? That's sort of be the most interesting question, right? Companies are generally very loath to get rid of engineers because they're hard to attract in the first place. Um, I'm sure Snapchat's saving a lot of money by laying off 100 engineers. And apparently Evan Spiegel had sent out a memo uh, last year saying that he really wanted to break even in 2018. So, you know, maybe they are going to try to cut it down to the bone. Um, but, you know, in a certain way, you could see that as a smart move. Like, I've criticized Snapchat a lot for the fact that they lost, like, more than $400 million in their first quarter as a public company, right? That's, like, <laughs> it's like really hard to lose $400 million on disappearing messages, um, and they did. So this is a good s- step, I guess. It's just weird that they're not... They didn't hit sales or their media division or, like, whoever's in charge of Discover... Or, right, like, that's where the revenue is for them, but it's not their product. Right. Again, I don't think we really know what these 100 engineers were doing. So if you know, (laughs) if you know, please DM me. I'm very curious. All right. And then I also have on the list, Ashley, you were very excited about this earlier, uh, Barack Obama reportedly talking to Netflix. I mean, I just am fully here for a Barack Obama Netflix show. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Please. Um, Yeah, no, Netflix says that they're in talks with Barack and Michelle about a possible show. And Netflix also says that they're really going to try to get more into original content, which makes sense because Disney is coming in. They're going to have their own platform with Disney, Marvel, everything pretty much. Like Netflix kind of needs to get on it. So, okay. Netflix said that they're going to, they're expecting to have a total of like 700 original series in 2018. And it was, uh, that includes 80 movies. Every time, every time I open Netflix, there's just like a million new shows I've never heard of. And like, I assume they're all good. I don't know. I assume a bunch of, but like. They're not. Altered Carbon is not good. (laughs) Altered Carbon, fair. But uh, Ugly Delicious is really good. There's like a bunch of. Queer Eye is amazing. Queer Eye is amazing, except for the one episode with the cop. That was terrifying. Yeah, um, yeah I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I need to watch the show now. <laughs> Yeah, you really do. Um, but it's gotten to the point where, like, I used to like Netflix because I would feel like I'm participating in a cultural moment and I'm experiencing a thing I know a bunch of other people are experiencing, but we're all going to, you know, watch this show together. But now it's just like, oh, there's just a million things here. And I don't know, like, I'm assuming their strategy is you don't need a cable subscription anymore because there's always something on Netflix that's pretty good. But... I think they're basically there now. Is, are they just, I don't, so I don't know if there's a next thing for them, if they're going to like try and like get stuff into theaters again, because that hasn't been going super well yeah, for them. Yeah, I feel like what? it's the blockbusters. Like when I was watching the Oscars this last weekend, like Icarus won, and I was so excited because they're like, oh, this is a Netflix 
documentary. So I immediately could go on Netflix and watch this Oscar winner, which for me was a huge thing. And you don't get that with the other big blockbusters that are from traditional studios. Yeah. Well, you, you, you did a whole episode on password sharing mm-hmm. last season. Why'd you push that button? And I feel like the new cable bundle is just you and six friends <laughs> sign up yeah. for six services. Everyone here, I would assume, is sharing This passwords. is a startup. You guys are at South By. I encourage you to get drunk tonight and propose this startup where people just manage password sharing. The Samsung guy is, like, into it. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, going <laughs> to... <laughs> and it's like we're just going to share our passwords because it's really expensive to sign up for all these services yeah it is actually much cheaper i did the math recently it's much cheaper for me to have every single channel on my cable bundle and just use those apps than it would be for me to sign up for sling tv and hulu and netflix and what i mean i sign up for them also i also have a title subscription i'm not a good oh my example. gosh <laughs> um but it, 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 if i just use the cable apps that i have i actually get more stuff and it's like way cheaper. But I think some people just have Netflix and that's I, I all think they, a they, very large number of people just have Netflix. Do you think they're gonna The only reason I can access cable is because my parents still pay for it. Thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, okay, so do you think like Netflix is missing a culture? I mean, they're not gonna lose this Obama deal to Amazon or whatever. No, uh, I think that it's too important to them. Um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible business. Like, what a story. Um, I don't know. It's a, a really fascinating company to watch. But yeah, I think I think they're in a very good position. I think if you want to, you know, identify some long-term threat to them, it really is Amazon because Amazon gives you all of this really good uh, TV programming and it's not even their core business, right? Like, they essentially use TV to subsidize everything else. Um, and so if you're Netflix, like, that. that that's probably a little scary, but that's exactly the reason why Reed Hastings is going to spend billions and billions of dollars on original content because he's not co- he's going to make sure that Netflix feels radically better than whatever is on Amazon Prime. Yeah, there's a uh, really good variety story by a reporter named Yanko Ruckers who we really like, um, and he went to Netflix. He saw their testing, but there was a, a nugget in there that I thought was really interesting that Netflix makes deals with TV companies to put Netflix buttons on remotes, uh, which we always think of as like bloatware. That button drives more Netflix viewing than almost anything else. Wow. So that deal. So people, like 70% of Netflix launches are, are that button on TVs, which is like incredible. I don't think anyone's pushing the Sling TV button. <laughs> they're just hitting the Netflix button. They're hitting the Crackle button. <laughs> yeah. I have a Roku with a Crackle button. I feel like I should like frame it. Be like here lies another Sony idea. Put like, a, like one of those like memory sticks next to it. Just like line them up. This episode of the Vergecast is brought to you by Mattress Firm. It has one question for all the I'm going to listen to a podcast to help me fall asleep people. Are you struggling to get some sleep? If you answered yes, you're in luck because there's a great tip for how you can fall asleep more easily. And that is basically to buy a new mattress. From Mattress Firm, America's neighborhood mattress store, which lets your budget stretch farther when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep. They're more than mattress experts. They have a whole package that helps you transform your mattress into a bed from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor. Do they make soft mattresses or just firm mattresses? Every kind of mattress. They got you covered, literally and figuratively. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening right now as I read this sentence to you. There's a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. So go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to learn how your sleeping can be monumentally improved. And if you're still awake, we're going to start the podcast again right now. All right, we have like 10 minutes left, and then we're going to do some questions. Uh, there are some microphones floating around. I'm terrified of all of you. 
Yeah, <laughs> this is your moment, but if you don't take it, then I won't be... There we go. There we go. Right. Do you think there's a future for a title? Given for title? Spotify? Oh, title. Man. Uh. Um, so there's a lot of people who do. Um, I, I don't think it sounds better. I was like, people are going to yell at me. The tweets are coming. I don't think any human being can actually hear uncompressed music that way. I think what you do get is you get, um, you get more dynamic range. So it's like louder. I think louder things generally sound better. Like when you go to the store and you listen to speakers, the one that sounds loudest is the one you're going to buy. Just like the brightest TV is the one you're going to buy. So I think Tidal like occasionally sounds louder. I don't think it sounds better in any meaningful way. Um, I talk to a bunch of the other streaming services all the time about this. It's the one question everybody has about Spotify. If Spotify had flipped the uncompressed button and just stream uncompressed music, Tidal might just be dead, right? Because everyone would have the bigger catalog. And every other streaming service says, we don't think people can hear it. We do the A-B test all the time. Nobody can hear it. So that's titles. That and exclusives are their differentiators. They don't have this burgeoning hardware ecosystem that both Apple and Spotify are building. There were some job listings for Spotify hardware the other day, which to me is a nightmare of uh, ecosystem lock-in, but whatever, they're doing it. Tidal is just, they're just access to some music. And as long as that music is better or more interesting than other music, then what they have is a content business. They don't have this like ecosystem. Right, so Apple Music it's, what? or Spotify? What's your primary music service? Uh, Apple Music. Yeah, so Spotify. 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 There yeah. you go. You were, you were going to say something, Ash. No, you, I, you were looking at me expectantly. <laughs> no, I was reflecting on a previous conversation I've had. I'm like spoiling every single episode of Why You Push Up On right now, so I'm trying not to like chime in too much because this is literally just, I'm, I don't want to spoil it. Anything. Yeah, you should but, watch the yeah. tape, and every time Ashley like blinks, you're like, oh, we're I'm ruining, like, <laughs> we're ruining <laughs> another episode of this show. No. Uh, Casey, what were you going to say? I think of Tidal as like a local record store where they have some cool stuff that you probably can't get anywhere else, but it's it's like a small business. Like it, just, it can't grow. Like there's a certain number of people who are, I will say like the most frustrating uh, musical thing in my entire life is I love the song No Church in the Wild uh, uh, from Watch the Throne and it's not on Spotify or Apple Music. Like you can only get it on Tidal or I guess YouTube. Uh, and, and like I would love it if I could get that on a streaming service, but I'm not going to pay Title ten dollars a month so I can listen to No Church in the Wild. But you could just buy the record, yeah, yeah. on Apple Music, and yeah, be and then use like well the integrated into your library. This is why I use yeah. Apple Music. Sure, and like I, I have the MP3. Uh, like I did buy that record at some point, but um, you know, what, ultimately, I think all of us just kind of pick like a single listening home, and you want as much of your stuff to be there. Like you just you you go there because it's easy. If you have to switch between five apps, like depending on your mood, that's a terrible experience. So I, um, I my primary listening thing is Spotify, but I also use a combination of Google Play Music and Apple Music, depending on what phone I'm using at the time. So you're the one Google Play Music. Yeah, I am. I'm that one. Well, I have a. It's free because I have a YouTube. Red subscription. Yeah, it used I, was, to be, I, I had the same a, thing. I had a Google Play subscription and then I got a YouTube Red, but now I think of it the exact opposite way. But uh, I use the other service when I want to listen to music at work because I want to listen to something like ambient and chill. But if I do that, Spotify just wrecks all my other recommendations. Yeah. Like I'll go in the car and I'll want to listen to, I don't know, rock and roll, and I can't. I'm just listening to Weird Electronica. Like they don't, they're very bad at separating out my moods in a way that the, so I just like, those services are for like mood music and then Spotify is for actually listening. Yeah. Apple Music uh, respects the fact that I own some of my music, which is literally the only reason I use it. Also, um, I now own a very strange Chinese iPod with an SD card in it. 
which was remanufactured and they actually printed the back different to reflect its new capacity. And I'm going to live that iPod life. Do you have any other? How y'all doing? Um, I love The Verge. Just wanted to tell y'all. Thanks, I man. I read it every day almost. Um, so I wanted to ask, like, this is kind of referring to the beginning with the Google AMP stuff. So, like, don't you think it, it's worth giving Google some credit because without them, they're spurring these conversations? Kind of like giving, I mean, in two years, at least they're, you know, in my opinion, I think they're giving, they're adding this innovation like they've done with Google Fi, Google Fiber. So that's just, just want to hear what y'all think about that. Because you, you were saying yeah. they take, they're taking over the internet, but I think they're, you know, making it better in some ways. No, I think that's totally fair. Uh, I, I just worry about giving Google um, too much credit uh, just because they are so big and they're so influential that you, like it's better to have a default of skepticism with some of these companies. But uh, I think their fundamental argument that if we hadn't done AMP and made it sort of googly from the jump and not waited for the stand and wait and didn't wait for the standard bodies, if we hadn't done that, we would be living in an absolute nightmare and the web would be virtually dead right now. Because it was, like, Neil, I wrote the article, the mobile web sucks, and he was not wrong. Um, and so everything was going to be really slow. Um, and so there's, there's a bunch of stuff that they absolutely deserve credit for, and AMP is on that list. And it makes, you know, humanity better that there's a free and open web, and Google's one of the biggest corporate proponents of a free and open web. Um, not sure I want to give them credit for Google Fiber, because I didn't really stick with that. There's like just a lot of stuff where you give Google credit for starting the idea and being like, that's great. And then it just trickles to a close. And they... they <laughs> Someone just right, said Reader. Right. <laughs> like, Well, Reader didn't trick... Reader was like... Google was brutally like, murdered. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you really liked this and now it's gone. Um, but uh, their entire messaging strategy is one of these things. Uh, Fiber is another one of these things where they weren't going to be businesses that rivaled Google search. So they just sort of let them languish and die. And if they just had a little bit more of that ruthlessness, they could have grown them into businesses that won in their category. I just think those categories on balance are small, right? They're small compared to Google. And they, so they split up the company into Alphabet. They're like, we organized this. We got Waymo and Nest. And they're like, well, Nest is small. Now it's just part of Google again, right? Like they, they keep kind of like shuffling these things around. And I, I just wish they would they would finish a thought from time to time, right? Like, I think they get credit for a lot of these ideas. Even their hardware stuff, right? Like the Pixel Buds are not great. The Home Max is medium, I, I would say. Like it's, it's a solid medium. Um, what are, the, the Pixel phones didn't ship for a while. The 2XL had the screen. Like they need to finish these thoughts in a much more aggressive I think they're, they're terrified to finish some of these thoughts because finishing some of these thoughts is gonna get them in trouble with like anti-monopoly regulations. I think that's like for a lot of stuff. I think the answer is they don't want to piss off their partners and they don't want to get accused of being a monopoly. And like if they were like to fully finish like Project Fi, their carrier service, for example, they would they would so piss off Verizon and AT and T and I don't know Vodafone and whomever that it would it would it would hurt their business. I think frankly that's their problem in messaging is they could have done the thing, but they're not doing the thing because they want carriers to continue to sell Android phones. Yeah, we had some more over here. Oh, yeah. um, with all the security features in Android P, do you think that's going to mitigate the fragmentation issue that they have with Android? Uh, I think that Android P is not going to completely solve Android fragmentation. I think nothing probably will ever. Uh, the thing that has solved Android fragmentation insofar as it's possible is uh, Google Play services, and that, that they issue updates that way. Um, but uh, Short of Google doing something much more extreme than they have shown a willingness to do, uh, we're going to continue to have a fragmentation problem. But 
I think that the fragmentation problem is way, way, way smaller than it used to be. Yeah, I was going to say, it's amazing how with just all the events unfolding in the world every day, I've never been less concerned about Android <laughs> fragmentation. <laughs> I mean, also Samsung just sells all the phones. Okay, we yeah. have time, I think, for one more. The Samsung guy wants to announce that he's starting a new company. <laughs> uh, let's go back there. We, sorry. <laughs> well, we'll get two more. Okay, we'll do this one and this gentleman over here. Okay, speaking of events in the world, um, when we talk about choosing between Samsung and, and iPhone, usually we think about that's what we can do in a free market. But what if all of a sudden there was a trade war and our choice between a Korean product and an American product would, would start to matter? And that would be a ridiculous thing to say a week ago, but not today. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I will tell you that the one, why'd you push that button pitch that I, re the one, the only one that I've ever rejected which Ashley we pitching me. We are now going to pitch it for season three, just saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, was why'd you buy an iPhone? Ooh. Uh, which is the trolliest thing. Wait, I, I want to hear this pitch. Why'd you buy an iPhone? Why you buy an iPhone? These products are just too, like, the real trade war is with China, right? The phones are made in China. Like, it's not an American product. It's, there's a, a company in America that makes iPhones, that designs them, but the supply chain for that product is completely worldwide, and it's manufactured and built by a, a huge set of Chinese companies. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Isn't there some weird thing with the, the way that the, the laws work where Apple technically buys the iPhone from Foxconn? Yeah. So uh, this is in the, Qual the Qualcomm case, which yeah. I still just desperately want to understand because it's so confusing. And they, mo I think it's mostly so their executives can just, like, issue shade to each other in the press. Um, but Foxconn makes the phones and Apple buys the phones from Foxconn. They buy them at a wholesale rate. So like at the end of the day, you have to decide what that origin of that product is. And I don't think that's simple. And I think this trade war stuff is really interesting. It was weird. We were doing Circuit Breaker Live and we're like playing with gadgets and like screwing with stuff. And our YouTube chat was about trade policy, which is not what you would expect on a YouTube chat on a gadget show. So I think there's a, just a lot of interest in what is going to happen to these companies, but I also think they're going to—they're just going to easily navigate around whatever particular tariffs because the raw materials are not actually coming to the United States; it's the finished products. And I think that—I don't think Trump is many things. I don't think he wants to go up against finished products that feel American. I um, actually had a conversation with a phone company a little while ago, and they had mentioned to me the prospect of a Korean War and how that would affect phone companies with OLEDs. Um, just because you can only get them pretty much from Korea. So what happens when, if, I mean, obviously in a hypothetical, if you could, these companies didn't have access to that. Um, and it's something that actually I need to look into. But, you know, that's something we should think about as well, yeah. maybe. Like, is Apple going to stockpile? Well, so there's an oversupply of OLEDs. That's all the Android phones have chins and a notch because they're LCDs and they mm -hmm. drive it. I, basically, we're doomed. Hold on to your, buy as many phones as you can right now. <laughs> there's a, like, there's a store down the yeah. street. All right. <laughs> One more. This I've been picking on you the whole time. This is your, this is your, <laughs> it's your shot. Uh, when is Apple going to buy Sonos? Oh, Apple going to buy Sonos? That's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think Apple thinks they, they made a really great speaker. They're very, very proud of that speaker. What they don't have, they need to ship AirPlay 2 so they can do the multi-room stuff. And then they need to make a really hard set of decisions around how big their audio ecosystem is going to be. Are they going to make a soundbar? Are they going to make a little one for your bathroom? Are they going to make uh, that whole range of headphones? And if they do that, then I think their hardware business starts to look different because every iPhone 
user is going to buy like $500 more Apple stuff that connects into their iPhone ecosystem? I think a better question isn't... That's when a is fucking Apple nightmare, no. by the way. I just want to be very clear about that. The better question isn't when is Apple going to buy Sonos. The better question is uh, when is Apple uh, going to remember that they own the Beats headphone company yeah. and sell it off. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Has anybody seen Jimmy Ivey? <laughs> Can anybody locate that man? Um, okay, that's it. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming. It's wild to me that we have like lines for the show. It's wild to me that anybody listens to it <laughs> at all. I will tell you that Verge produces a much better podcast called Why'd You Push That Button? It is a far higher quality than the show. <laughs> Ashley hosts it along with Caitlin Tiffany. They're on at 4 p.m. today talking about ghosting. They've got some great guests. Who are your guests? Um, we have someone, an so in-house sociologist from Bumble and the lead engineering manager of iOS from OkCupid. Wow. Yeah. So come back at four for that. Uh, Kara Swisher and Maria Shriver are on today as well. There's more programming at this house a week. And there's also an open bar where we are not serving my brand of vodka. But thank you all for coming. I missed anything else? Promo code. Promo, Promo code. code. That's it. Thank you so much. That was a virtual <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Oh.